us. We're so grateful, excited about what God is doing. Uh, the hand of God is clearly at work in the church, and I'm excited to see as uh, fruit is being born or bared in my um, everyday encounters with you as I listen to your prayers on Monday through Friday and just to appreciate the depth of your growth as you have learned um, the discipline of praying, the discipline of praying. With that in mind, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you for this time that we have together. Now, take this information that you have provided through your word to help us to be disciple makers who make disciples that are able to make disciples. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We have covered uh, the introductory part of the training, and I hope that as we're going through this, you're, praying, you're asking God to direct you to somebody that you can walk through this material with. It actually will enable you not only to know the fundamentals of discipleship, but to be engaged in the ministry of discipleship and those who are recipients of the time that they spend with you, you're teaching them how to use the same material. So please uh, uh, access the materials. You've been, they've been sent to you. Exciting that you can actually answer the questions online. So even if you're not with the person, you can talk to them on phone. You can have Zoom interaction as well. So today, we talked about so far the assurance of salvation and explaining what happens to a person when they actually make their a profession of faith in Christ, and the, the next step being starting at the beginning where people really are often attacked by the enemy in terms of what actually has happened, what has actually happened. Today, we want to talk about talking to the commander, talking to the commander. And I've jokingly said that uh, it doesn't matter what public places you go to these days, all you need to do is look around the room uh, that are often totally silent because everybody's looking at their cell phone. Uh, the cell phone has become almost a substitute for relationships, and I really believe that that's one of the reasons why we can be so unkind and cruel because we are able to entertain ourselves artificially. Uh, while that is a negative about the cell phone, the positive is that we are constantly in a position to be informed about what's happening. And we can, with that cell phone, communicate with others to let them know other things that are important to us that we want to communicate with them. Now, while prayer and the cell phone are not equivalent, Prayer for the Christian should be the most essential weapon of our warfare. The Bible actually talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6, that prayer is a, one of the two weapons of the arsenal that a Christian has is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But we're also told to put all these things on with prayer. prayer. And so prayer is, is as essential to the Christian as oxygen is to our lungs. 
And if you can imagine what it would be like if you, and we've experienced it from time to time, when you cannot breathe, it's, it's not only uh, life-threatening, but it's extremely uncomfortable. So this section of our training is essential to teach new Christians, in particular, how to pray and what prayer is. I remember standing in a circle, we, there were about uh, maybe 15 of us back in college, and we all prayed individually, and a lot of times the prayers were directed to somebody in the circle, it was very clear, in our immaturity in Christ. And we got to this one person, and we must have waited about 15 minutes, and they said nothing. All they, uh, at some point, she just started crying. And then having talked with her, she came from a Catholic background, and she had never prayed in public. And so for the new Christian, prayer is foreign. And so we need to uh, understand that and introduce what is recorded in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. After Jesus prayed, the disciples asked Christ, in spite of the fact that they were raised in the synagogue, taught by their parents, and watched the rabbis pray, there was something different about Jesus' prayer. And so they said, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. Uh, what is prayer? And I'm just going to uh, be giving you information because a lot of this is basic to us. Prayer is simply talking to God. It is talking to God. Uh, I remember listening to Louise Williams on her every Sunday. She had her segment where she went to the throne of grace and God, or they had in churches designated prayer warriors. And then that person would get up and show us all how to pray. Uh, or the Baptist church that I went to, every Wednesday we'd get on our knees and everybody had their certain style. And the children would, of course, make fun of them because we would remember we would memorize their prayers. But prayer is simply talking to God. It's not uh, augmenting your voice. It's not necessarily projecting your voice. God doesn't hear us because we yell. Uh, doesn't matter if you have bass or soprano. Um, it's simply talk. It's communicating with God. Prayer is also a cry of desperation. When we pray, we are crying out to God. It's for help. Uh, one of the things that the absence of prayer in our life indicates is that we don't feel we need God. It's, it's like the baby who has the umbilical cord attached to his mother's womb. Without what tr is transferred through the umbilical cord, the baby dies. The umbilical cord for the Christian is prayer. And when we're not utilizing it, it's, it indirectly we're saying we can do this on our own. And so prayer is an act of desperation. Prayer is also a call for an explanation. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 33 says what? Call to me, and I will what? Answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So when I'm praying, I'm not only praying to be heard, I'm expecting God to respond. I'm expecting God to respond. He said, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. I listen for the voice of God. 
In fact, when the Bible says pray in the spirit, what do you think that means, to pray in the spirit? You can take that word in, which is uh, uh, in the Greek language, it's a certain type of word, and substitute it with the word by. So pray by the Spirit or pray in the Spirit, it's the same thing as saying what? Praying what? Well, how do we pray in the Spirit? And his word is a lamp. See, not just yours. It's a lamp. Light into our path. I have to do everything personal because it's, for me, and when I get it, then to me, I can give it to somebody else. If I don't have it, then it's not so easy to explain. So whatever you may think praying in the spirit is, it will always be being led by the Spirit. So pray as you're being led, controlled, activated, motivated, captivated by the Spirit. And so I'm waiting to hear from God to even know what to say. I don't think we should pray the same prayer all the time. (laughs) And uh, so God will direct you as you're being yielded to the Holy Spirit. Uh, So it's a prayer for explanation. I'm waiting to hear. I'm ready to be led. It's also a prayer is an asking for, it's an asking from a heart of expectation. A heart of expectation. What does Luke chapter 11 verses 9 through 10? And here's what I'm doing. I'm asking you, this is what I would do with someone that was learning about prayer. I would have them read the scripture. What does it say? It's right here in the... So I, say to you, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and for you who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Faith is expecting God to act like God. Amen. That's what it is. So when I'm praying, not only am I expecting to hear from God, but uh, uh, not only am I uh, waiting for an explanation or being directed by God, but I'm expecting God to answer. Bible said, God says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And in James chapter 1, verse 8, it says, don't think that you are going to receive anything from God without faith because a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. So it's a, it, is a, it is praying out of a heart of expectation. So you say to the person, you, you ought to expect when you knock, when you ask, when you seek, that God will answer. God will answer. Prayer is also an act of communion, an act of communion. This involves talking to God and waiting for his quiet and calming voice to speak to you. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my what? Words abide in you. You can ask what you will, and it will be done. And that abiding, that staying close is an act of it's communion. It's fellowshipping. So whenever you're talking to God, you're at the same time having fellowship with him. So prayer is that special time of connecting with the Lord. So what is prayer? Simply talking to God. It's talking to God. 
So there's nothing to be nervous about. Uh, as you know, there are different places and settings uh, that we pray in. And so some people are very, very uncomfortable praying in public. Uh, how do you help somebody? Or should people that are uncomfortable praying in public get over it? Should you be able to call any Christian at any time in any setting and say, I need you to pray. Could you, could you pray right now? And you won't say like one of the ministers said to me one time. I said, I'd like for you to give your testimony. We're doing an evangelistic outreach in the community. Uh, and he said, I left it home. If someone would ask you to pray in public right now, should a Christian be willing and able to do it? Okay, why? It's just talking to God. You're not trying, you, don't, you only have an audience of one. The only person that you want to please and impress is the God of heaven. And so a part of being led by the Spirit is getting out of the way and allowing the spirit to have his way. And one of the things I do when we have Bible study, I intentionally, I go around the circle, somebody different, and they often, oh, why me? Why not you? <laughs> Every Christian can talk to God. Amen? Prayer can be divided into five, into five, uh, into at least five parts. That's an error, at least five parts. Uh, one part of prayer is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That is, it's expressing appreciation for what God has done, what God has done. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And then, uh, so that's probably not the best verse for that. <laughs> First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 is probably a better verse, which says, In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. But one of the things that we're expressing when we pray is that we want to thank God for what he already has done. Thank God for what he's already done. It's also petition. A petition is what? What is a petition? It's a request. It's asking God for what you need, for what I need. So it's personal. So we're, we're thanking God. We're petitioning God. We're asking God to meet a particular need we have. It's also a time of confession. Confession. Again, confession is agreeing with God about what God has said regarding what we've done. The best way to keep a heart that is tender towards God is to keep short accounts with him as it relates to personal sin. When we sin, we should immediately confess our sin. We should immediately homo legeo, the word is to agree, to say the same thing that God says. And what begins to happen is that your heart is tender towards God. I was talking to somebody. I, had, I got, a little, got a little angry, got a little frustrated. I'm trying to understand Gen Zers. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get it. I'm going I'm to educate myself. Uh, one thing I can't stop doing, I can't stop getting older. If I'm going to live, I'm going to get older. 
But that doesn't mean I can't be informed. So uh, one of the things that, uh, that, that caught my attention is something that a, a very popular rap artist, and now uh, uh, he's a film writer and all those kinds of things, he said something very, very, he not only said it, but he, he actually sent out an Instagram of a picture of a man's wife when he was dating her and they were in their undergarments. And both of them had something very personal written on their garments to indicate their forever loyalty. And of course, they're now broken up, broke up. <laughs> and so this guy decides to send that Instagram out on the same day that his ex-girlfriend's wedding anniversary is to her current husband. So I commented, that's wrong. And the Gen Zer said, well, we all know what this person is like. And then I'm saying, okay, yes, we know what he is like, but it's, it's still what? It's wrong. That's a beat down. That's, that's, then it would be more wrong, okay? So this is on the, that's, that's wrong. It's just, that's just, call it whatever you want. So there's a difference between opinion and barbershop talk and somebody just being wrong. And that's, that's the concern about confession is agreeing with God about what he says, not what we're hearing on the talk shows, not what we're reading uh, in these little uh, uh, these, what the, these videos that are, are reading when these things, videos are going viral. We need to keep ourselves in check with the word. As you are, in, are, as you are continually confessing what God is revealing from his word, your heart will stay tender towards him. What breaks his heart will break your heart. What angers God will anger you. But what the devil has successfully done, he's caused us to have a callousness about what actually breaks the heart of God. Are you confessing your sins? When's the last time you got real with God? Is there ever a day that goes by that we shouldn't be confessing something? Even if Sister Whitmore, I mean, she's shaking her head. You know the rest of us. Amen. There's, there's not a day that goes by when there's, we, we can say we were sinless and didn't have to confess. Are we doing that? The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your hunger and thirst for God will continue to be like the deer that pants for water when you are in the practice of, of agreeing with God about your personal sin. We can see it in other people. We keep trying to get them straight. But God wants us to be clean with him and confessing. It also uh, involves intercession. What's intercession? Praying on behalf of others. One of the things that I've encouraged people to do is to develop a, 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 some, like people have diaries, 
a list of people that you're praying for. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? I used to have a sheet on one side, I asked. On the opposite side, God answered. And we all are constantly thinking about what's going on around us and in the world. But if you don't write it down, or somebody asked you, would you pray? And you're not thinking about all those things that uh, your mind just freezes on. So get in the habit of developing a list for intercessory prayer. One of the greatest intercessory prayers other than the one that's recorded in John 17, where Jesus prays for his disciples. The last prayer that Jesus ever prayed before he went to the cross is in John 17, where he says, Lord, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you would protect them from the evil one by allowing them to be one as we are one. But another great intercessory prayer occurs in Genesis chapter 18, the story of Abraham and Lot, when the angel of the Lord appears to Lot, to appears to, to Abraham. And as the angel of the Lord and a second angel are leaving Abraham, the angel of the Lord, who's none other than the pre-incarnate Christ, he says, shall I Hide what I'm about to do for my servant Abraham. That's what prayer will do. It'll give you that special, special inter, in, intimacy with the Lord, where the Lord, where Paul talks about the eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered. There's those kinds of folks who have walked with the Lord through prayer. And Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that prayer, the intercessory prayer? And he said, Lord, if there are a hundred. If they're 50, if they're 25, then he got down to 10. The Lord said, I'll spare the city for 10. And I've said this before. I believe that if Abraham had said two, but he stopped at 10. When we pray for others, sometimes that prayer is not answered for years, but it was because you prayed that the prayer was answered. Praise a vocally bragging about God for who he is, not what God has done. I was listening to Tasha Cobb driving in, and she has a song, You Make Me Happy. Anybody like that song? You make me happy. And basically, he says, it's all about you, but most of the songs that I hear today are really about what God does for us. He makes us happy. He makes he 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 answers my prayer. He 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 helps me to reach my potential. Uh, he he what I claim he gives it to me. And really, the Christianity of the Bible is not what God does for us; is what we do for Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what we do for him. Why is it hard for us to pray? What does it mean individually when we talk about praising God? What does that look like? Does it look like the person who's running around the church? Is that praise? It could be. What about the person that's 
sitting in their seat and they're just crying. Is that praise? What about the person who raises their hand? So one thing about praise that's different from worship, praise is always external. It's visible, but it's not always identical. We don't all praise the Lord the same way. But what makes it a challenge for us is that praise is not about us, it's about him. But the trick of the devil is that he wants us to focus on how we sound, what people think, where we are versus this ain't about anybody but the Lord because of who he is, because of who he is. That was the argument of Satan says no one loves you just because of who you are. You take away what people have and they will curse you, even Job, and he will die cursing you. And that's the argument. Do we love God for nothing? I love a song that Andre Crouch sings. If heaven was never promised to me, it's been worth just having the Lord in my life. Living in a life, living in a world of darkness, he came along and brought me the light. My life is better because of the presence of the Lord. And if he never did anything for me, he would still be God. So we, our prayers should include these five things when we are, uh, you don't always include these five things, but if you're actually praying formally, you're going to include thanksgiving, petition, confession, intercession, and praise. Now, why should we pray? 1 Thessalonians, uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says, men ought to always what? Pray. Pray. We We should always pray. Without ceasing, First uh, Thessalonians. So it's a command. We're commanded to pray. It's an imperative. When we fail to pray, guess what we're doing? We're what? Sinning. It's, we're, we're, it's an act of disobedience not to pray. Not to pray. There's something sweet about the fellowship of prayer. And so... We pray because it's command. It, is, it also shows us that God, what God is like, what God is like, what God is like. When our focus, when we are talking to God, prayer shows us what God is like. Somebody want to read that passage in uh, Psalm 34, 15 through 19? The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. How does David envision the Lord when he's crying out? Prayer, when he's praying. How does he see the Lord? He sees the Lord as what? As, as the God who pays attention, as the God who hears us when we cry, as the God who responds after he determines, having watched us and heard us, 
he now goes into action because he knows what we need. Now, here, here's, here's the complexity about that. God is our, our mission. He already knows everything. But supernaturally, he's always learning when he's giving attention to us, that somehow he allows himself to be discovering what we need, and he only responds to what we need when we cry out in prayer. So prayer teaches me that God, he, he's paying attention to me, that he is listening to me, and that he will meet my need, that he will meet my need. Even though he knows the need before we even tell him, he's not going to meet it until we, until we ask. So prayer, prayer shows me what God is like. Prayer also pleases God. Uh, if you, when you get an opportunity to, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where it's, it talks about the first thing that the church should do when they come together is that we should pray. And it gives a list of all types of prayer. He said, because prayer pleases God, and he uses our prayers to, let, let's look at verse 4. Turn, turn to that in 1 Thessalonians. It actually, this is powerful. Here's what prayer does and, and why it pleases God. 1 Timothy 2. Anybody have it? Yes, would you read that, please? Start in verse 1. Can everybody hear her? So God uses prayer that pleases him to ensure us a quiet and peaceful life, but to also usher people out of darkness into salvation. The prayers of the saints are used by God to lead others to Christ. So when you pray for the lost, God will answer your prayers by moving on the heart so that person is unsaved and draw them to himself. Prayer is the instrument that God uses to lead sinners to salvation. Watch this. Every name of every person that will ever be saved is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's there. We were saved before the foundations of the earth. But if you can imagine closing in your Bible, the entire 66 books of here are here. But to get to the first page, you've got to do what? You've got to open a book. you got to turn. Prayer is the instrument that God uses to turn the pages of salvation history. What we would not otherwise see or know doesn't occur until we pray. And so God shows us what's recorded as a result of our prayers. God uses prayer to bring people 
what was invisible to us is now visible. This person's name is, wouldn't have known it until you prayed for them. Does that make sense? I'm glad it does to you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But seriously, God uses our prayer to reveal who is now a part of his family that he already knew would be a part of his family that we would have not otherwise known. Okay? Uh, prayer, it activates God's power. Anybody remember what happens in Acts chapter 12? Peter is taken into prison. James, the brother of Christ, has already been executed. And they're getting ready to uh, tee the apostle Peter up for the same uh, fate. What does the church do at Rhoda's house? Is it Rhoda's house or Rhoda comes to the door? She comes to the door after what? The church has been having an all-night an all-night party. Uh, all night. You know, they were praying for the Lord to deliver Peter, and the Lord miraculously sets Peter free. The angel directs Peter out of the prison. He don't even know what's going on. He heads down to, I believe this is Mary's house, and he gets there, and a young woman named Rhoda answers the door, and he says, she said, who is this? And he said, this is Peter. And she said, no way. And so she just leaves him standing at the door because she didn't expect God to do what they were praying for. Sometimes you could be praying, just be praying, but you don't expect God to do what you prayed for. So prayer activated the power of God down in that prison. I don't know where your loved ones are, but if we go before the Lord in prayer, we have this confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he will do it, and it is activated by prayer. Prayer activates the power of God. So wherever, wherever our loved ones may be, what he did for Peter, he can do for them. Amen? It is necessary for the forgiveness of sin. Uh, in 1 John chapter 8, verse 10, what does, uh, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says in verse 8, if you say you haven't sinned, you're lying. <laughs> and it says if we confess our sin in the verse 10, it says that Christ, let, let's, that, that's a, let's look at that real quick. So when we, when, we, when we sin, does confession require us to actually say something? Or can you just start as if you're not, I ain't going to do that again, so I'll just move on. Okay, so you need to say something, but look at verses 8 through 10. And here, again, I'm trying to get you in the habit of what you should do when you're working with someone. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And then verse 1 of chapter 2 
my little children, these things have I, do I write to you so that you may not sin, and then if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. So the real deal is that God, his desire is that we do not sin, but because we do sin, we, we need to understand that we have an advocate, that God, we have, a, Jesus is representing us before God. That's why we can have our sins forgiven. So we need, we need to, it's necessary to confess our sins, to be restored to fellowship with God. All right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 8 through 18, verses 10 through 18, prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. I know you, some of you may be licensed to carry. None of you? Huh? What did I miss? Oh, I didn't even know that was up there. Okay. Um, which one did I miss? Oh, it allows God to give us wisdom. That's E. Thank you. Thank you. That's F. Right? So let me stick with the script. <laughs> if any man lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abrade if not, according to the King James, old King James. Amen? Uh, G, it is a weapon for spiritual warfare. H is, it gives confidence. In God's word. Now, this is the confidence, I've just quoted this, that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his what? His will, he hears us, and if any, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. It's so important. There's so much foolishness going on in the church in the name of God that has nothing to do with God. Nothing from the word, nothing from scripture, just pure, raw emotions to get people acting a fool and claiming to have had an experience with God that lasts as long as the meeting they were in. And it is becoming so epidemic that it makes me love this church even more because our church is rare. Uh, there are many churches that are very large and well attended that are totally uncommitted to teaching God's word. And they are there for the purpose of basically entertainment. And so we want to constantly understand that God is not obligated to bless our will. He's not. Our confidence is he will do whatever, whatever God has promised in his word. This, that's our confidence that he's going to do it according to his will. He's going to do it according to his will. Now, do you always have to pray, Lord, if it's your will when you're praying? Do we know some things are his will? Yeah. So when I'm going through the word and he said it, okay, I don't have to say if it's according to your will. You said you're going to do this. 
So we can always claim what God promised. And we don't have to ask if it's his will because he says it's his will. But then there are times when we can pray, Lord, I'm not, I've actually, I prayed over people who were gravely ill and shouldn't be alive. And I said, Lord, I'm not demanding. I can't tell you what to do. Here's what I want you to do. I don't even know if this is your will, but I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to heal this person. Now, ultimately, I know that if it's not the will of God, he's not going to do it. And if he does it, it won't be because I had this final say. Okay, God, here's my grocery list. No, it don't work like that. He will do what is best based on his predetermined plan. But I'm going to ask him, and just like you can ask anybody else, God can always say no. Amen? Does that make sense? Um, so here's some roadblocks to prayer. Psalm 68, verse 18. Unconfessed sin. Psalm uh, 68, 18 says, we know that God, that if we have unconfessed sin, if we regard iniquity in our heart, that's the verse, God will not what? So he's not going to hear us if you have sin in your heart. And some of us have some very eloquent prayers. That didn't mean that they didn't impress people. That we didn't feel pretty, we felt pretty good about that prayer. But you have, you have sin in your heart. You haven't forgiven somebody. You haven't made something right. And you're convinced that God answered your prayer. Look at where I live. Look at what I drive. Look at how much money I have. My kids aren't in jail. No, those are the things that God says the sun shines on the just as well as the unjust. Can you imagine what God would do if you ever got your house in order? If you ever came clean with him? If we ever were in the habit of saying, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm going to make this right. We, we not only sin against God, we sin against man. And that's why the scripture says if you remember that someone, you've offended someone or someone, you leave your offering at the altar and you go and be reconciled. That's supernatural. We're waiting for, oh, God, I can't wait to hit the lottery. Oh, God, I can't wait to get there. No, no, no. Listen, what's supernatural is for you to stop being mean, stop being, stop being unforgiving. That's supernatural. When you actually see your personality changing, the Bible says, can a leopard change its spots? What's the rest of that? Okay, a leopard can't, can an Ethiopian? No, we can't change ourselves. But when we are surrendered to God in a practice of confession, the Lord transforms us from the inside out. Now we're doing stuff that we would have never done. I'll never forgive that person. I'll never let them gotten, gotten away from that. I would have told them, now you don't tell them anymore. Sin is a, another thing that blocks prayer is unbelief. Unbelief. What's unbelief? How, how, how does that manifest itself? It, it, does it manifest itself when I say, I don't believe that? The Bible says faith without works is what? Yeah. Unbelief is faith without works. You're saying by your actions 
I don't really believe this, that I believe what I know I'm going to do is better. So unbelief is not necessarily something that we say. It, the greatest, sometimes the greatest evidence of unbelief is what we refuse to do that God told us to do. We're acting in unbelief. So there's an action of unbelief, and there's also the person who, who struggles to accept what God has said about something. So the two, so both of those are true. So failure to pray is another act. You have not because what? Oh, he did it for them. He'll never do it for me. You have not. I remember uh, before Deacon Tim was having surgery, I told him about, we get ready to start this bridge the gap. And I said, I don't, I don't like asking people for money. I don't. He said, you have not. He actually, actually wrote it out. You have on that little steno tablet. I said. And it was convicting. And then I started asking people for money. And God answered. So if you don't ask, you're not going to receive. Um, wrong motives. He says you, when you ask, you ask to receive it upon uh, your own lust. You, you're asking for the wrong reason. And so if, you, if, you, if your reason for asking for it is not to glorify the Lord, but to somehow elevate yourself, that's, not a, that's a wrong reason to ask. And so the Lord, God says, I won't, you pray amiss. So if we're praying for the wrong reason, God is not obligated and will not answer. Now, some suggestions for effective prayer, effective prayer life. That's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Let me just run through things to avoid. When Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray as the hypocrites. Don't you pray as the hypocrites. One of the things that they did, they prayed. He said, don't pray to impress people. I've been guilty of that as a young Christian. We'd be praying some stuff up, boy. <laughs> Rapid fire prayers, back and forth. You prayed. I'm, this is, so guess how far those prayers go? If they were cinder blocks, they'd hit you in the head. Avoid meaningless repetitions. Saying certain words or phrases repetitively or repetitiously that you think will be heard by God. Do not use vain. So God is not hard of hearing, and there's no special cliche that you can keep saying over and over that is going to somehow make God get it. <laughs> so you don't have to say the same thing. Like It's just like somebody coming to you and say, Mary, 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 God bless you, Mary, 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 and I'm just Mary. So the, the issue is not using your name repetitively. It's the reason you're doing it, that somehow by calling you or using the same uh, word that that is going to get God's attention. It's not necessary. Uh, don't try to pray like others. Okay. Um, that's important. You don't have to try to pray like some other folks. Boy, they pray for 15 whole minutes. I only can get to six. 
uh, or you don't have to pray like other people. We'll get you to 15 if that's it. If that's if you just, the key is that we want to get you to talk to God. Amen? Amen. And so length of prayer is not necessarily praying like others, but sometimes we can, we can find ourselves doing that. Don't alter your voice. If you do, that's, it should be, again, directed by the Holy Spirit. I know, I know the Lord hears the pastor because listen how he changes his voice. Nope, that, that, that doesn't necessarily get God's attention. Amen? Oh, he can sure squeal. <laughs> Don't compete. Don't direct your prayers at others. Don't claim promises God never made. You take one step, he'll take two. Uh, what's the one about uh, the purity of heart? Uh, God blesses a child who has his own uh, th- th- cliches that are, is, God never said that. He never told you to take one step and I'll take two. <laughs> you give a dollar, God will give you $10. You give $10, God will give you 100 That's not going to be there. That's not there. Things to do when you pray. Choose a specific time and place. Jesus says when you pray, go to your prayer closet. Do you have a place where you spend time alone with God in prayer? So you're helping the new Christian to develop what we call personal devotions. Pick a place to pray at a specific time. That's one of the blessings of praying at 6 in the morning. You know you're going to be praying if we have a designated time. Pray throughout the day. People think I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to the Lord. So throughout the day, you, when the Bible says pray without ceasing, that means that you should always have a mindset and an attitude of, that is open to communicate with God at any time. Do you have to pray with your eyes closed? Do you have to pray on your knees? Do you have to pray when, in church? You can't, can you pray in your car? Can you pray in your kitchen? What about the bathroom? You can pray anywhere, wherever you are at any time. Amen. You will be in heaven if you close your eyes and pray while you're driving. (laughs) Now, I do believe that, and we're going to talk a little bit about this today, that God can give you a vision of something that's going to happen. And you're driving, you see everything that's around you, but it's like you're not there. You didn't close your eyes, but God is communicating something to you. I have found that when I'm struggling with something, I'm asking the Lord for direction. And there are things I have no clue about how to respond to or an answer to. I just know if I wait on the Lord, he'll give me an answer. And it would seem like I had done (laughs) some deep research. The Lord just gave me the answer. He just did. And so uh, you do want to be constantly in prayer with the Lord and understand that God could interrupt your day at any time by, by communicating with you something that you need to know. Um, 
Believe that God hears and answers your prayers, your prayers. He hears and answers your prayers. You should have a testimony of times when you prayed and God answered for you. Every Christian should have a testimony of answered prayers. Sometimes we don't because we don't pray, and when we do, if, even if we do, we're not expecting God to answer. Believe that God will answer your prayer. Be specific when you pray. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Ask very, pray specifically. Don't just say, God bless me. He already has. How do you need to be blessed? Lord, I need a job. Lord, I, I need this test coming back from the doctor to be negative. Be specific. And then when God answers your prayer, you can be specific about your testimony. Make a prayer list. We already talked about that. Uh, continue to pray until God answers. Sometimes we need to do what is called importunity prayers. And an importunity prayer is that you continue to pray until God answers. Keep on praying until God answers. Uh, there's an there's a acronym, PUSH. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. We pray one time. Oh, God, you're not going to hear me. Some of the things that I'm just beginning to realize in my life, people prayed for 30 years ago, 30 years ago, and are still praying for me. Amen. Finally, thank God for answered prayers. There were 10 lepers. How many came back? Just one. What did the Lord do for the one who came back and said, thank you? Your, your faith has made you whole. They're healed, but you whole. <laughs> so so they, got, they got whole. So there's something more that God will give to those who are thankful. I don't know how many times I've gone to preach and pray or do something, and I said, I pray, Lord, please, please, bless and strengthen, and da-da-da-da, and then afterwards, I didn't say thank you. I didn't. And then the Lord started reminding me, you didn't even say thank you. you I did my part. A thankful Christian is a joyful Christian. A thankful Christian is a spirit-led Christian. A thankful Christian is somebody who's pleasant to be around. Who wants to be around a Christian that when you're not a thankful Christian, you're going to be a complainer. You're going to be a griper. The Lord says, when I answer your prayers, we should give thanks. So we're going to come next time. We'll be in lesson five. Moving right along. Lesson four. Oh. Okay. Lesson four. All right. Praise the Lord. So where are we at? Where are we at lesson four? What's lesson four? How to study the Bible? It's in there. It's in there. All right. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. Father, each one of us that's gathered here today, we could pray at the same time different prayers, and you hear all of us, and you will answer each of us according to your will. Father God, forgive us for the times that we've minimized the power of prayer. Father, forgive us for not recognizing that there are people who need us to pray for them and to continue to pray for them. You said if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek your face, 
you would hear from heaven and you would heal our land. We need you to heal our land. And I believe that the way that you're going to do it is through our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.